I'm Joe. Maybe I shouldn't try to play. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear females talking about routes. Like. Welcome to from the back seat, hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. You're muted. What? There oh, you now. go. Now you're good. Now Hello. you're good. Hey, uh, welcome to From the Backseat. I'm your host, Ethan, and I hope you're having a great evening. We are here to break down Monday Night Football and the rest of Week 5. But before we do that, let me introduce my co-host, which is... What up, guys? Clark here yet again. Back again. Another Raiders debacle. Another just Raiders masterclass, sadly. I mean, what a just absolutely bed-crapping nightmare for him. Just, ugh. Tough night to watch it. Tough night to watch it. But if I'm, if you're better like me, if you took my advice, look at the official from the backseat locks. You went two and zero tonight. You made some money. But you know, let's see whoever paid yeah. attention to that. So why even wait for it? Let's just get into the Monday Night Football. Of course, it's on the thumbnail. It's in the. It's everywhere. We're talking about Raiders versus Chiefs, which just ended on Monday Night Football, literally like five minutes ago. Um, so how I thought we'd do this is we'd each get like two takeaways that we want to take away the game before we just kind of talk about it generally. So I thought I would lead us off with my first Go takeaway ahead. being Josh McDaniels. Does he know what he's doing? That's I mean, that's, mine that's, too, damn it. <laughs> I mean, every time I watch the Raiders, I'm like, man, what, what are these decisions? I mean, Again, Brandon Staley, and I actually have this written in that we'll probably talk about later, the Brandon Staley fourth down decision. I know that was really bad. It handed him the game, but Josh McDaniels' decision to go for that two-point conversion might have been worse. It's close. It's definitely a debate. There's some bad co- There's a lot of bad coaching decisions and play-calling decisions from this week from both our respective teams and around the league. But yeah, that was a bad call for McDaniels. That like I didn't because here's the thing we, we texted about this in our group chat is like okay if you don't get it now a field goal makes it a four point game you have to get a touchdown. I know the analytics supported it. I didn't even understand the analytics. I would still say no. Just go for the tie right now at least because there's still time on the clock. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't even get it. I'm I'm still kind of at shock. I I don't get the two points especially when you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. I guess that you're trying to go up. But they stopped him. And then yep. they put themselves in a hole of now they had to go up and one. And Ben is saying that Adams caught the ball. He didn't He, he didn't catch it. He didn't catch it. He didn't catch it. He bobbled it. Got a complete he bobbled process. it. He put, he put the foot down and then the ball moved. He didn't catch it. it that was an incomplete. It should have been a catch. And that actually is going to be my second takeaway. But so Josh McDaniels, I mean, I don't even know what to say about him at this point. I mean, now they dropped to one and four, which basically means they're out of it at this point. Yeah, it's I mean, tough it's work. really tough sledding. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, two and three, it's doable. Two and three, I still think it's really doable. The AFC is not like it's still figuring itself out in a lot of ways right now. Two and three is fine. One and four, I think, is a death sentence. I don't see how they climb back out of it. Um, I really don't. This was a huge opportunity blown tonight. If you're Oakland, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sorry, not Oakland for Vegas. Jesus Christ. I would get that. If you're Vegas, so, cause you had 17, nothing in 
in Kansas City, you had an opportunity to make a big statement and you completely floundered it. It makes it tough. It makes it tough. One and four, I don't see him coming back. Yeah, no, that's it's really tough. I mean, it's just not it's not a good look at all. No. I mean, sitting at I mean, one and four, especially with they got another game versus the Chiefs, another game versus the Chargers. I don't know. Another game against Denver. Denver, I don't worry. Denver sucks. But Denver, yeah. I don't worry about all that much. But I mean, again, they're sitting in a really tough spot. I don't know how much of the NFC West they've played yet either. Because they haven't played San Francisco yet. They haven't played the Rams yet. See, that that's the thing too, I think, when we talk about McDaniels. Um I just think he gets outclassed by a lot of head coaches pretty easily when you stack up who's left. I don't know who's going to outsmart a lot. He's more likely to outsmart himself than he is to outsmart, outsmart an opposing coach. I mean, again, and I, I, I told you going into the season, I, I, this was my whole thing with the Raiders. I like what the roster is offensively, except Darren Waller's now hurt. I feel like Renfro's been MIA. Adams had two big plays, and really outside of that was obsolete. It was Josh Jacobs doing a lot of the heavy carrying tonight. Um, but Josh McDaniels is my biggest concern. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? This, this is it. So that, that's all you got. Yeah. Um, it's really tough. I, I don't know what they do. So, it's, yeah. It's not a good look right now. Mm-mm, not a good look at all. I would say if I had to give my first takeaway um, from it, of everything that we watched last night, oh, it's just don't bet against Patrick Mahomes in primetime. I mean, he it really at any point. I mean, you saw it with Kansas City tonight. I mean, this is a guy that down 17-0. I, I texted you guys 14-0. I was like, they're still winning this game. There's not a doubt in my mind they're still winning this game. Because and it came down to, I think there's a couple questionable decisions going back to McDaniels. When Oakland decided to kick the field goal to go 17-0, I was like, that was a mistake. You got to go for the dagger. You can't play around with them. So my takeaway is like Kansas City, it's been a known and known. But if you are up against Kansas City, you have to keep the gas pedal down. You can't out you can't out shoot Mahomes. I think in a lot of times it's very rare. It takes an extreme set of circumstances, and the Raiders did not have that extreme set of circumstances tonight. No, not at all. I mean it. It's a bad look where the Raiders are at. I mean they should have won that game. I mean, they should have won that game. If they you're up 17 nothing, I really don't care where you're at. You have to win that game. They, yeah, they should have won that game. And they let that one slip through, and now their season is basically over in week five. No, I don't know if there's – has there ever been a team that started 1-4 and four and got to the playoffs? I, I don't know if there has. I don't know. Been. I know one 0-4 team that ended up making it to the playoffs. But yeah, 1-5, I don't know why people, people are down on the Chiefs. I never understood that either. I think the whole time going into it, you still had Patrick Mahomes. You still had the best coach in the NFL, uh, not offensive-minded coach in the NFL. This team was always going to be good. They're still the class, the AFC West. I mean, I would argue it's not it, – it's close, but not that close. I think as some people might have thought it would be at this point. Um, but, yeah, that's just the way it is right now. I, for Oakland, again, we've talked – I think – Sorry, not Oakland, Vegas, Vegas. Vegas this season, I think, is done. I think that's it. I think you don't. I mean, they probably will kick around. They will probably win a divisional game in there against someone when you really don't need them to. But Vegas, for all intents and purposes, is done. Because in my mind, yeah, I don't feel like – I feel like the offense is inconsistent. I feel like everything just about them is wildly inconsistent. And you can't win with that. You need some sort of consistency somewhere. And they don't have Yeah, they're just – 
I mean, the only thing they have consistent right now is Josh Jacobs is playing incredibly well. That's he's great. playing at a really high level. But the thing that's crazy about that is he's playing at such a high level and they still don't seem to be able to like open that, which should help them open up the pass game more. It really should. And it doesn't feel like it is right now. Like, again, they had two huge bombs to Adams, but it wasn't like some sort of massive explosion offensively for the Raiders, I felt like, especially in the second half. I mean, they had the long bomb and that was just about it. I mean, they had a lot of weird play calling. Like, on that final drive, I get that Josh Jacobs was working, but why are you running the ball? You put yourself in such a tough spot. And then I don't get it on you're at fourth and one. You've been running the ball so well. I get that it's really close, but why are you trying to heave it deep there? No, that's another thing. With play calling-wise, there there isn't some sort of an outlet. There isn't some sort of a dropout. There isn't somewhere we can go short. And then they run into each other. They run into each other. Is there a more Raiders thing to happen than those two running into each other? I don't know. It was really bad. But uh, I'm going to say my second takeaway because it has to go along with that. Is Devontae Adams does not look as dominant as he did in Green Bay. Devontae Adams. Well, he, he still looks good. But in my mind, he is not the best receiver in the league right now. I mean, it could be a usage thing. But... Devontae Adams in Green Bay probably would have made that catch. And there's probably no doubt in my mind. And it might be Aaron Rodgers is locating the ball better, but I just don't... There's nothing about Devontae Adams' game right now where I feel like he's being super dominant. He disappears for large parts of games. He was used early, played really well. Then Derek Carr had to go throw two underthrown balls, which I want to address Andrew uh, from Drew Code Sports Talk saying, you know, maybe Carr is doing this intentionally. No, he's not. No, he's not trying to do that. I think he's if, more joking, but yeah, he's not trying to do that. He's not trying to do that. If you gen- if you actually think that, no, he's not. Again, if if Carr was trying to do that, every quarterback in the league would do that. Yeah, I mean, underthrown PI was a really good friend for Derek Carr tonight. It was a really good friend. And again, they're the right calls by the rule book, but at some point you got to change the rule book. I mean, what is a defender supposed to do on those? I, I, don't I don't know. It, you really have no option. Like it's too hard to get turnaround. If the guy's well, completely the, stopping his tracks. And the other thing is, like, usually a defender, they're taught to watch the eyes of the receiver, watch as they're about to go up to turn your head. But if the ball is underthrown, their eyes aren't going to go up because it's about to hit you in the back. Exactly. It doesn't make. I sense. mean, it makes no sense. It's almost just un. It's unfair. But let's talk about the other huge controversy from the game because we're talking about officiating, roughing the roughing the passer. the passer. Two of the worst roughing the passer calls you'll see all possibly ever this past two days. The one in Tampa Bay with Grady Jarrett and um, Tom Brady was atrocious. And uh, this one was even worse. I Not even worse. It was just about just as bad. But um, it was just like, Jesus, it could not have been worse. It could not have been worse. I don't know how you call it. That's one of the, what are you supposed to do? Defy the laws of gravity? I mean, seriously, he can't keep his body off him. It's just the way it goes. He's getting sacked. He's going down with him. The fact that that call was made, atrocious, atrocious. Atrocious. Just a horrible call. Just horrible way to just change momentum, especially in the Atlanta game because it was a six-point game. You're in the final two minutes. You would have given Atlanta the ball back. It would have given Atlanta the ball back. They basically decided the game then and there. I mean, oh, in the yeah. Chiefs game, it's bad because it would have been a turnover. Mm-hmm. But it isn't game deciding. It's still in the no. first half. That's why I think the Tampa one is a little weird. Just because it basically decided the game. 
Yeah, it was that. That was it at that point. It was like, okay, well, it's done. You know, it's over. Yeah, I mean, it was still tro- like tonight. The officiating I thought tonight was not great all around. Um, again, the two underthrown PIs. I think the 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 roughing the pass with that we had really just a lot of just off calls. Well, and the so, missed hold on that final hold, drive. On- yeah, missed hold on final drive. I mean, if they would have thrown a flag on that last play for like pass interference, then you really would have had a complete debauchery because that was two dudes just running into each other. Yeah, the spacing was just way off. I don't even get that play call to be quite honest. No, I again, I have no, I have no clue in the play calling. I have zero idea on the play calling. Also, so. the other thing that I think no one talks about is the Raiders have no ch- like check down on like any of these plays. Every time I watch their offense, they never have anyone leaking out. And if they do, it's Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs cannot make people miss in the open field. No, not particularly well. He's not like super shaky. He's not a guy that's going to make you miss. He's not like, well, on the other side, like I think for Kansas City, they have another good backs who are good at making guys miss like Jarek McKinnon. I think he does a good job. I think uh, Clyde was aware for whatever you think about him. He does a decent job making guys miss in the open field. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a downhill runner. He's not a guy you look for out of the backfield. Yeah. I mean, underrated part of the game is Denzel Perriman got cooked by Travis Kelsey in the red zone every single drive. They, I, why is it even a matchup? <laughs> you have to put someone else there. You can't have Denzel Perryman doing that. You can't. You, you it's just got him for disaster. I mean, if you're if you're actually the Raiders, you should have just put Nate Hobbs on him. I mean, he's should've. like your one good defender. I, I mean, mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's Rocks. I mean, Roxanne or whatever his name. is. He's a good guy, but Rockyson, Rockyson, yeah, my bad. But overall, I truthfully just think. The Raiders just do so many things wrong. The Raiders find ways to lose rather than they do to win. It seems like every single year. And this is just them. This is just them. This is the end of their season. Um, if they somehow are able to climb back in, I guess good for them. But I feel At like this, this was just the coffin. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to look at them as overall as a team. Like, hold on. Let me go to the NFL. I mean, I mean just look, they've, I, they've lost to, I guess you could say, four good teams ish teams but i mean they lost to the chargers they lost to the cardinals they lost to the titans and they've lost to the chiefs i mean they're losing a lot of close games they have a minus five point differential on their wins and losses so you know what's actually shocking to me truthfully there's only about six teams in the afc that have a plus winning differential right now on their points plus points yeah that's wild to me i mean the the afc is really i mean there's only two teams now that aren't that are three, four, and one. There's only six teams in the AFC that have a positive points differential. Who are they? I mean, obviously the Chiefs and the Bills, but Chiefs and the Bills. You have Jacksonville at plus 31. You have Cincinnati at plus 20. You have Cleveland at plus eight. I'm sorry, you have six or seven. I think you have seven. And then you have, no, you have six. And then you have Baltimore plus 21. Hmm. So the Tennessee Titans are leading the AFC South with a minus 22-point differential. Jeez. I mean, all of that came from that one Bills game where they got absolutely trounced. Can you guess that there is a last-place team with a positive point differential? Last place? And they have a pl- It's because of this last week, for sure, but they have a positive point differential. Last-place team? Last-place team. They have a better point differential by almost 20. Oh, is it New England? It is New England. It is New uh, doing yeah, they, positive point. They beat on the yeah, on but the, I mean Detroit. 
Yeah, that's the and the NFC is a lot more, you know, with it. But otherwise, yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. The AFC is really weird right now. It's it's really weird. It's a different. Okay, spot. speaking of speaking of the AFC, let's move into. We talked about one bad fourth down decision. Let's talk about the one that pretty much took everyone by storm on Sunday, which is Brandon Staley's fourth down decision. It was fourth and one from their own forty-five. They were up by two. They kept mm-hmm. the offense out on the field and threw a slant to Mike Williams, which hit off the defender's back, and then the Browns took over. So, Clark, now having a day past it, do you still feel like it was the wrong decision? Do you still feel like it was as dumb as you felt as it was happening in the moment? How, what, what's your reaction? I still think it was just about as dumb as it gets. That was very stupid in my mind. I understand, again, the analytics – suggests to go for it there you can end it there but i don't really care what the analytics say in that point i don't understand you had the opportunity to pin back jacoby Brissett, who had just made one of the worst decisions in his own into the end zone about what four minutes ago i believe just prior on that drive yeah uh they had no timeouts they have a bad wide receiving core i know the chargers defense isn't particularly great right now but I would take my chances against Jacoby Brissett than what they decided to do. They essentially handed Cleveland the ball on their on like on the Charger side of the field. I mean, it really wasn't it? It was on like the 45, 48 yard line. It was on the 45. I just don't get like the risk in my mind, although the reward is winning, the risk is that if you have a good kicker, they probably make that. Fortunately enough, Cade York is an idiot and he missed it. But I think really overall. Brandon Staley got very lucky, very, very lucky that that happened. I still don't think it was a good play call decision at any point. I I don't care what the analytics say in this one. I'm an analytics guy. I didn't like what this one had to say whatsoever. I can't believe he did it. He dodged a bullet. If they lose that game, I think there's a real conversation about his job right now. Um, But overall, my my opinion doesn't change. I thought it was stupid. I still think it's stupid. I mean, maybe I don't think he's the biggest idiot of all time now, but I I still feel as if – like, here's my point. You talked about – you made a good point about Staley last week. It felt like the aggressive Staley that you knew was gone. I think this was an overkill to overcorrection to what he did yesterday. That was an over-overcorrection. So that's my sentiment on it. I like the aggressiveness idea, but there you have to pick and choose the right spots to do it. There it was not the right spot in my mind. Well, so my issue, and this is where where I've had time to digest. I still don't love the decision, but the reason I don't like the decision isn't the going for it on fourth and one. It's the run on third and one the play before. He admitted that they knew they were going to go for it on fourth down if they didn't pick up that third and didn't lose any yards. They ended up with nothing. Why are you running it on third and one if you know you're going to be aggressive on fourth down? It almost feels like you should flip those play calls and try for the pass on third down. If it doesn't work out, they're going to be expecting you to pass on fourth down. Exactly. They're going to be expecting you on third and one to run the ball, especially the way they had been doing it all day. To me, the that decision making was just off. The third down play call didn't echo that they were going to go for it on fourth down. And I think that's why ultimately everyone was like, what are you doing? Because mm-hmm. on third down, they didn't show any aggressiveness. They just ran it up the gut with Austin Eckler. No interesting run play, nothing. They just did a straight run up the gut like they were going to punt it away and be happy with that. Mm-hmm. They keep the offense on the field. They go all the way down. 
take the time all the way down. It seems like they're just going to call them offsides. They bring the offense back out and then they run to my least. Again, I can't hate Mike Williams all that much, but the reason that I don't like Mike Williams is because they always put him in these situations. Why are you throwing a slant to a guy that can't separate? That is mm-hmm. not the play you run to Mike Williams. Mike Williams is great. I mean, he's played he's played extremely well this year. I'm not trying to take that away from him, especially on these kind of lob balls in one-on-one coverage. He's playing extremely well, but he still can't separate. It, mm-hmm. The separation is still a massive issue. No, it's not there. It's not there. And that play showed it. I mean, literally a rookie corner just had him blanketed, and there was no separation. Mike Williams couldn't do anything about it. I don't like the preconceived idea of from both Staley and Herbert both confirmed it, that no matter what that play was being thrown to Williams. I don't like that kind of thinking when it's fourth and one and you got to have it. You can't just go to your first read. I agree. I mean, yeah, it was just not the right play call. If you, again, I'm with you. If you're going to do it, the third down play call has to be different. The fourth down play call certainly has to be different. It just, it didn't, it didn't work, but they, again, as stupid as it was, as moronic as the decision was, they got away with it. You got to win. They got away with it. Win. They got away with it. Again, they ended up winning. That's all that ultimately matters on the win column, and we'll see how it continues to progress. But to me, the overcorrection thing, I think you're right on. He had been not aggressive at all, and then he decides to come out there and make the most aggressive decision he's made as a head coach, kind of I out know. of nowhere. I agree. It was kind of one of those, again, it just makes you sit there and you look at it and you're like, why are we doing this? Well, the other thing, I want to rant about the analytics because everyone's Mm -hmm. like, oh, the analytics say go for it. 11%, which at the beginning I was like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be mad about this. But after thinking about it, of course the analytics are going to say to go for it. Because if you pick it up, you win the game. Of course your win probability is going to be higher if you go for it than punt it away. You win the game if you convert. I totally agree. I mean, you win the game, you convert, but it just doesn't mean, I don't know. Again, the analytics are always great. I, I'm always a big fan of analytics. This situation, I just didn't agree with them. I just, I just wasn't there with them. It didn't line up. Well, so I want to talk about something else about the Chargers. And this is something I actually tweeted about earlier today. And this is something where I think Charger fans are putting on their blinders. When can we start to talk about the Justin Herbert just doesn't push it down the field? I get that people want to accuse Joe Joe Lombardi of not drawing up these plays, but they're there and they're available. Just Herbert doesn't take them. He just yeah, look, doesn't throw it. Let me, let me ask you, are they still seeing a lot of cover to shell? Are they still seeing a lot of that where he has to go underneath? Well, they are, but the thing is, is even when they are, they're still getting all those deep shots to Mike Williams and he's just not throwing them or to Josh Palmer. Yeah. And they're – they're dragging these routes down the field and he's just not throwing them. I don't know if it's, he feels like he'd rather be cautious and dink his dunk his way or down the field. And he feels better about doing that. But at some point you have to stop blaming the play caller when the quarterback is not executing the play. Yeah. I, I will say this. I think um, in some sense, like, I think with quarterbacking and play calling, the Bengals are in like some and Chargers are in somewhat similar scenarios. Yeah. It's just with different, like the Chargers, I think, are calling it. I think Herbert's not taking it. That's what I think. I think with the Bengals, they're not calling it and Herbert's forced to check. I mean, sorry, bro's checking down to everything 
because he doesn't have the routes called for him. And I like, I agree. I, I think Herbert, it's the only thing I've ever said with the guy is that I, I agree. When you watch the Chargers route combinations, they are options available. Like one play call, one decision of his I really didn't like was I forget what quarter was in, but they were in a goal to go situation on third and goal, and he threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, to where DeAndre that, Carter. Where does that get you? Where where does that get you? True, it doesn't well, that, get. I mean, that's my thing. And then people look at the play and they're like, "Oh, Lombardi, all he does is have all these routes that are in the flat." And it's like, no, there's other routes on the field. It's just Herbert's picking the check down every single time. I know. And look, the check down, like if you like again, the Chargers and Herbert are facing the same thing with Bengals. They're seeing a ton of cover two shell. Don't get beat over the top. I get it. Um, but the thing is that if plays are drawn up for you to be there, you have to eventually take the shot on it at some point. You have to take the risk with it. The checkdowns can work and they can take you, but at some point you have to say, hey, we're still going to throw it there. You're still going to have to deal with it. You can't play dink and dunk all night. Especially against, I mean, I don't want to hit on Cleveland too much, but against the shit defense. secondary, it's they're a shit bad. Defense. Yeah. I mean, again, We've we've talked about I've raved about Austin Eckler a lot of times, but you should never give up 175 yards on the ground to Austin Eckler. No. That is not his bread and butter. You should never have a game where you're actually talking about Austin Eckler outrush Nick Chubb. That I should... I completely agree. There, there's no way that that should happen. So let's let's move on to I actually had this written up. Let's talk about Bengals play calling because this is also. Go yeah, ahead. this is this along Dude. the exact same line. I, I think, again, as I touched on, um, as a Bengals fan, like, look, we lost that game yesterday. Was it a bummer? Sure. We had the opportunity to win. We went down there and we took the lead. But I think the, the biggest issue I have as a Bengals fan, and I think a lot of people do too, is Zach Taylor's play calling decision and routes that he's creating for these guys are, like, just really perplexing. At this point, you know you're getting a lot of cover two shell. However, what I don't understand is that the defensive formations the Ravens were giving us, you could take shots over the middle of the field in the intermediate. And all of the concepts that were dropped out were either it was like one check down to the right and everything was up and over to the sidelines. Nothing exploiting the middle of the field. The one time we really went to the middle field, oh, look, it was a 20-yard touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst. I'm like, you have the guy – like, I guess the Bengals for me, it's just really – it's annoying at the point because they had a better run game last night. Mixon, five and a half yards per carry. He looks better than he had all season. The offensive line played fine. I think Burrow did. Burrow can't do much when the play calling is like, look, we won't even let you use the middle of the field, and all your options are like two-yard drops. The play calling was bad, and it was only more intense, like only more shown on our goal to goal that we decided to go for it with the shovel pass. Like, I can't understand that for the life of me. You have Joe Burrow, who's one of the best pre-snap guys, one of the best players when it comes to seeing the field, and you decide on third down, actually on second down, you try to do a Philly special. That was really bad. That was really bad. And it's like, okay, you get it all back with Chase by using the middle of the field, and you decide that we want to run an inside pitch to Stanley Morgan rather than try to use Tyler Boyd, who's lined up against a rookie, or take a shot to Jamar Chase on a fade route, which he's notoriously good at. The play calling for me is the Bengals' biggest issue. Or, we didn't even talk about or just hand the ball off to Joe Mixon. You had to push well that the whole game. 
you had the push all night with Mixon. You could have tried it. You there's you could have tried Hurst. That's just the thing with me with Cincinnati right now. The defense, they've allowed one second half touchdown. I don't think they've allowed a second half touchdown this year. I don't think they have. The defense has played out of its mind well this season. They're keeping you in games. They have a positive point differential of 20. They're clearly saying it like it sucks that all three of these are on last second field goal losses. But these are games you can conceivably win by a touchdown, if not more, if you just have better play calling. Like there's too much yeah. talent on the offense and too way too good of a quarterback for this issue to be arising at this point. Zach Taylor, I don't know what the game plan, but it has to change. I mean, golly. I mean, the other issue is this is something that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is Lamar Jackson did not play well in that game. No, Besides front with his leg, he missed so many throws. He missed a lot of throws. He didn't make a lot of great decisions. I mean, Lamar wasn't he. I mean, you're right. Lamar did enough to what he did to win. But I feel like there was a big like conversation around like, oh, wow, Burroughs just, you know, he's just terrible now and stuff. like. I'm like, well, he kind of outplayed Lamar passing the ball, certainly. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, for both those guys, they're both really good. But, yeah, Lamar did not play particularly great. But, again, for me as a Bengals fan, I'm not super concerned. There's a lot of – the talent on the offense I think will eventually show up. But Zach, Zach Taylor's got to figure it out. I mean, you have far too much talent on this team to be dealing with this. And I don't know if there's been discussions about giving up play calling. I know Brian Callahan has a lot of say in the offense. But eh, it, that's the big – like, that's just what sucks. That the defense is great. You're actually getting good play from the offensive line in my mind. And for some reason we have really bad play calling. That shouldn't be the part that's missing here in year four for Zach. For sure. Um, I want to highlight one question as we move into our just general week five recap. Ben is asking you to roast the Steelers. Why don't you talk about your opinions of Kenny Pickett? So here's the thing. Um, Kenny Pickett's teammates suck. I think, I think the Steelers, they quit this past game and they just let the kid get hit. Like, the fact that he had to stand up for himself at some point should tell you a lot about the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they're at right now. Um, Cam Hayward going on Twitter and just retweeting some bullshit about Mike Tomlin. If you really want to come at Mike Tomlin, that's a joke. He's carried that organization for de over a decade now. The biggest problem I have with the, the Steelers, their, their play calling sucks. The offense is exactly the same that it is right now that it was with Mitchell Trubisky. Granted, Pickett's playing better, but... And while I think Pickett's still doing okay, I have, again, never in my life seen a franchise of fans coddle a quarterback more. I'm not going to sit here and lie to your face and say Kenny Pickett's been really impressive and good over the first two weeks. He hasn't. If they had, they would have scored more than three points last week. Buffalo is still missing injured players on starters. They got absolutely laughed out of Buffalo. I think really at this point, this might be the end for Tomlin in Pittsburgh. And if that is the case, it is the end of a Pittsburgh Steelers era, I think, as you know it, because of how much he has held up that franchise. I think Pickett's not very – I think Pickett's just okay. I Really, at this point, I think Pickett's just a guy. I don't see – I haven't seen any flashes, and I'm like – superstar potential that have maybe like really jumped just been like some good throws offensive line is atrocious the defense still isn't particularly like without tj watt the defense isn't good um the steelers i think right now are in a really bad spot they're in a terrible spot but who knows and it's just it's for me it's humorous it is funny i enjoy it so yeah pittsburgh 
we'll be seeing you, bud. Just yeah, they're they're not in a good spot. I mean, George Pickens does look good. Um, I will give so, them credit for that. Yeah, Pickens looks good, but the problem is they don't even treat their wide receivers with anything. They don't give them anything. Their offensive play calling is so bad. Everything about that team is really bad right now. Everything. I mean, That's... they're just a bad team. I mean, right now they would have. Are would they still have the number one pick in the draft? Um, after yesterday, they would have. No, because Houston Houston beat the Jacksonville oh. Jaguars. Yeah, no, you're right. They have the tie too. So yes, I believe. Well, because it would be the Raiders now. They're one and four. Yes, uh, that would be it. I would agree. I think that would be it. Yeah. Also, I want to go on a rant about something that I saw on Twitter today. Uh, it was from Cardinals fans that were saying basically the Eagles can't be contenders because if they had not missed that kick, then they would have the Eagles would have lost. Which, first of all, the game would have went to overtime. So I don't even understand where this argument is coming from. And second of all, the Eagles have been dominant in every single game. Again, they're five and zero. Oh. People are keep talking about, oh, are they going to be the Cardinals of last year? No, they're a much more talented team than the Cardinals were last they're year. They're a better coach team too, by the way. They have a way yeah, better that, head coach. Way better head coach. I don't think people people want to discredit the Eagles all they can, but I don't think people are giving Nick Sirianni the credit that he deserves. After last year, when they started off horribly and they were a pass-heavy offense and it didn't work, and he just moved it to a run-heavy offense in the middle of the season. And then this year, everything on offense works for them. Again, yeah. if you look at their play chart, it looks so boring. It's just screens out to the outside. There's not really big plays, but they move the football so well. Again, to any other offense, you'd be really bored by it. But with their personnel, it really works. No, I think the Eagles do a great job of being an offense I think is it works both ways. They can run the ball if they want. They can throw it on you whenever they want to. They're a very well-balanced offense. I think the defense plays well, too. The Eagles, to me, I think, again, I think that the class of the NFC right now, they you, you've been proven right on that point. I think the Cowboys matchup will be really interesting. Um, I assume Cooper Rush will be starting for that game, so I would still certainly pick the Eagles in that one. Um, but Philly has done everything they've asked for. But um, I, on the other side of that game, the Cardinals, actually, I thought they played pretty well. They fought back yeah. pretty hard in that game. Um, Kyler looks bad. like a moron at the end of the game, but other than that, it's just tough sliding there. I thought he got it. I mean, well, he, so I, it's it's not the slide; it's then the spike afterwards that I think is the worst part of it. Yeah, I mean that was pretty tough. It's not. I mean, it's just kind of those moments where you're like, "Oh shit, I didn't get it." <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a foolish thing. I, look, I, I said it before the season. I think the Cardinals are going to miss the playoffs they're looking like they're teetering on one. Like, cause there hasn't been any times where I've watched a Cardinals game and like, wow, they really showed something. This looks like the old Cardinals it hasn't happened. So this looks like, I mean, they get D hop back. That could be big, but ultimately what's outside of D hop. AJ Green's so washed. I love him, but he's so washed. Rondell Moore doesn't even catch balls beyond the line of scrimmage. Marquise Brown is just Marquise Brown's good. I mean, that can be a good one too. Yeah. But I mean... it should have, you've gotten traded for a first round pick. Well, absolutely not, but that's a different discussion. So, yeah, can we? Uh, there's one player I really want to talk about because we talked about him last week, but Geno Smith. Geno Smith looks great. That's he crazy. Made some, he made some really high level throws in that game. That one that he fit in the locket over everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's not the one I'm thinking of. It's the DK Metcalf where he's rolling to his left and he oh, kind of yeah. just dropped it into the bucket. 
does Seattle look like a playoff team? I don't know. They look really good. I mean, now with Rashad Penny's out the year, so I think that Kenneth Walker. Really they just took Kenneth Walker. I know, but Penny has looked really good so far. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: What about the team? On the also, other their side? defense is really bad. Yeah, the defense is terrible. What do you think about the Saints on the other side? Who they played? Again, it's hard to figure them out because Seattle's defense is so bad. I think they've played the last two weeks that so they've been in. They've played really bad defenses. I know. That's where... Vikings and Seattle. I thought getting hard. Taysom Hill involved was really smart, but I don't think that many teams are going to be bad against Taysom Hill like that. Do you keep Andy Dalton at the helm, or do you give it back to Jameis Winston? I think he's looked better than Jameis, but that's not saying a lot. It's not saying a lot. I mean, they play the Bengals next week. I think the Bengals definitely take care of them there for sure. But I don't, I'm they, not impressed by the Saints. I don't think the Saints are anything impressive. I mean, right I think, now, for me, it's yeah. the Giants. I think the Giants are a playoff team at this point. Giants. I mean, the NFC East. I mean, give, good God. I mean, who would have thought the three teams in there would have four wins at this point of the season? Four plus. I mean, good for them. I mean, the Washington Commanders are hot garbage, but. Other than it's, that, it's the it's so funny. See Ron Rivera's quote today. They asked him like, "What's the difference? Why aren't you guys form one?" And he said, "Quarterback." Yeah, yeah. But he Classic. he ended up explaining. I mean, it sounds really bad, but he ended up explaining it as like, "Oh, these other teams have had time to build chemistry, like with their offense." Well, then just I'm don't like, just say quarterback as your original answer. You, that you could have saved so many headlines. I know, but no, say quarterback. Which he's not. I think Ron wrong. Rivera is going to lose his job. I think he is too. I'm surprised how bad he's done there. I am too. I mean, because what I mean, they, they just, made... yeah, they made the playoffs with uh, Taylor Heineke. And then I thought it was going to get way better from there. But that guy's like, like Chase Young has not been good after since his first year. I think he didn't get hurt this year. Yep, he's hurt. He hasn't I mean, played a snap yet. This is a team I think a lot of people looked at defensively like, oh, when everyone got drafted and they had all those guys brought in, you know, they signed William Jackson. They take, um, obviously, they have Young. They have all these players on defense. You're like, oh, this should work really well. And it just has been terrible. The offense has spurts, but not consistency. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I think he's probably gone. So why don't we talk about this? Because we can lead into this discussion. So Matt Rule was fired today. Yeah, I'm sure Nebraska is talking to him about a new – he'll be a great college coach again, but he sucks at the NFL. But he'll find a college job. Matt Rule. Rip Matt Rule, worst contract I've seen for a head coach since Urban Meyer. So let's talk about it. Which head coaches do you think are gone after this year? After me, this season? For me, I think Cliff is gone. I think Cliff is out of here. I think if they miss the playoffs, I think Cliff Kingsbury is gone. Um, that, that's where I'd start. I think Ron Rivera is going to be gone. Ron Rivera, I think. You know who I think is unfortunately getting a hot seat right now? Getting mm-hmm. a little bit tenser. I think Dan Campbell's getting a little bit hotter. I think Dan I Campbell's. Think They've blown some leads really bad last week. So I, I have a take about Dan Campbell. And I, and I was watching the New England game, and I came up with it. I've decided who I think Dan Campbell is. Oh, I know who you're going to say. Hold on a minute. You think he's just like Rex Ryan? No. Hold on. Wait a minute. Not Rex Ryan. Then who? I, I, who's another guy who cries? I think he's Anthony Lynn. Reason being... I think Anthony Lynn was like held up as this great owner, this great guy who can like really lead men. And the the knock on Anthony Lynn throughout his Chargers tender is they lost so many one score games. He was literally three and fourteen in one score games over twenty nine or twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately why he lost his job. 
Yeah. Um, Reminiscent of somebody else who yeah. has blown a lot of one score lead. Like you feel like, oh, they're so good because they shouldn't be in these games. Their offense is so efficient. And then when you get to Bill Belichick, just like Anthony Lynn did, because Anthony Lynn also lost a game to New England 44 to zero with Justin Herbert at quarterback. I agree. Um, you go into New England, they don't even have Mac Jones, and they just absolutely punched you in the mouth. Well, hold on. Is is Zappy better than Mac Jones? No. I think it's close from what I've seen. I don't think it's that close. It's kept him in more. I mean, I don't know. I, I think people are overreacting to the Bailey Zapke thing. Uh, people aren't giving credit how good Ramondre Stevenson was in that game. No, he was. The Lions don't have a defense, but yeah. I mean, I don't get – this is the thing I will talk about with the Lions. How do they not have a defense? They have so many good pieces. I mean, they have two good outside boundary corners. They have Aiden Hutchinson. But I guess outside I of that, they just don't have anything else. But Yeah, I mean – I'm trying to think of another coach. Um, I think Frank Reich and for the Colts, he'll probably be gone. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in Indianapolis at this point. Um, elsewhere, though, I don't really see one. I mean, Zach Taylor, if the Bengals miss the playoffs or something, you they won't fire him because he just signed an extension, so you can call for his job in 2024, but not him. You know, I think that, yeah, I think the ones that we named are definitely the ones that are most likely. I think Frank Reich is also on the hot seat. We haven't talked about him yet, but uh, I said Frank Reich. I said Frank Reich. Oh, you did. Oh, I missed yeah. it. But yeah. I think he's definitely on the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, Rivera, Frank Reich, Dan Campbell, uh, Matt Rule already got fired. Um, I mean, I think Brandon Staley's seat could get hot if the Chargers miss the playoffs, but I kind of, I, I don't. I think feel like so. I feel like I honestly feel like Staley. And now that we're like talking about it, I. Weird. The Bengals have similar coaching points at this point. Like, I don't think Taylor's going to be gone this year. I don't think Staley will be gone this year. But I think if the year after things continue, then both of them would probably be gone. Yeah, I think so too. I think Staley right now, he's in a weird – because the expectations are so high, they should be good. But, like, you look at it and they're sitting at 3-2, and two, which most of the rest of the league is. They should have beat Kansas City probably. I mean, I, I guess – You could also say you should have lost to the Browns. You could have said, I mean, yeah. I they're in a weird spot. The thing I'm most concerned about with Staley is that we, we did talk a lot about this offseason. He has the players for his personnel that he wants, and it's still really pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing of I do not understand the Lombardi hate. How can you knock? It was the fifth best offense in the league this year, and it's just as efficient this year. And yet everyone calls for his head after every game, and you don't stare down the barrel of the defense – which currently has given <laughs> I mean, the Jesus, most points yes. in the league. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, it's like, I mean, just you just watch it with Nick Chubb. I mean, when the Browns ran the ball, it was like, oh, we won't just, we just won't stop that. Actually, we just won't do it. You know, okay. The only way they stopped is if we're like, fine, we just, you can pass it, but we have to just send everyone. So see, that, that was my thing with JC Jackson of like, I'm not going to ring the bell yet of like, He's washed. He's not good. Because of the way the Chargers are playing defense in that game, you can't really credit him because they pulled their safeties down into, into help on the run game pretty much every snap of that game. So they were pulling both down. They weren't playing any too high looks. And so J.C. Jackson was basically on an island on a bad ankle. I agree. Against one of the best route runners in the league. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. The Staley thing is, yeah, I, I Lombardi, I understand why he gets a hate. I, I would be more inclined to go after Staley, though, for a lot of this stuff. Uh, someone's asking us to talk about the Antonio Brown incident. I mean, we talked about it last week. He's just, I mean, weird. there's, there's been he a couple updates. Somebody commented on one of our videos. He's basically like Kanye at this point, which I think is right. A fair assumption. If you want to hear us really go in depth about Antonio Brown, go back to last week's because we actually talked about the situation because that's when it really happened over last weekend. This this week, there's just been all the stuff with Tom Brady, which is now it's not even funny. It's just like uncalled it's just like weird. and dumb. Yeah, it's pretty it's ridiculous. Sad. He's basically it's on brand. Carmelo. It's on no, brand. No, he is basically. Um, is there anything else about the NFL you want to talk about? Anything else you want to cover? What about Trevor Lawrence? We both said he was top 10 and does not look top 10 anymore. We said he was trending towards top 10. However, last week proves otherwise. A little bit of quick on the jump the gun. A little so, quick. We got excited. Quick. But again, this is what happens. Um, you got It's like week five again. Like this is week five. Yeah, like but so now, much- now takes can kind of solidify. Oh, this is the one thing I wanted to say. And I want to take my victory lap here for a minute. So I've already taken my victory lab about the Giants one. Uh, the Travis Kelsey goat tight end one. I okay. feel better and better about that every single day. I People well, yeah, still only- call me out. The one, the one, again, we all, everyone basically called me out and said there's no way, is when I said Patrick Mahomes would fall out of the top five. I am absolutely wrong on that one, and I will take all the heat because that was a bad take. Mm-hmm. But the Travis Kelsey goat tight end. Certainly. I mean, Kelsey at this point looks like it's going to be him. I mean, tonight was ridiculous. It wasn't even like a big receiving yardage night. It was just a guy who caught four touchdowns and couldn't be stopped in the red zone. Nope. Nope. So, I mean, he is just a monster, but this is what you want to expect of them. Yeah, I don't know if I have any, like, big victory lap takes at this point. They're probably more in baseball than they are in anything else. Let's talk about it. The Padres beat the New York Mets. Yeah, so as I said, as I said – on this podcast, as again, as I said, uh, they would do that because the Mets are immune to success and because the Padres matched up well against the, against the Mets and congratulations to Buck Showalter and the New York Mets for showing their entire ass. Um, and that last night's game, uh, do you know how pathetic it is? And it speaks to how bad of performance it has to be for your team when you're getting absolutely carved up by Joe Musgrove and you have to go out there and request that he be checked for a substance. And then it comes out. You're wrong. I think Gary Cohen made a great point on the New York on the SNY last night for the, he's a Mets play by belly guy. It was embarrassing. It made, it was very desperate. And on top of that, if you are going to go out there and do that, you better be right. You better be right about it. And he wasn't. And then guess what? Musgrove pitched even better. For the Padres overall, what I saw from them was probably some of the best ball baseball they've played all season. Guys like Trent Grisham had better approaches than I'd seen all year. The bottom of the lineup, Nola, Kim, Grisham, everyone produced. You had great defense over at first base from Will Myers. Everything about that team looked different than what I had saw at any point of the season. It was huge. And going back to game one, like Josh Bell, huge to get that home run. Like, I don't know what they're going to do against the Dodgers. I think they have a better chance than I thought they would after watching this series against the Mets. No doubt will be difficult. But the Padres showed so much. And again, for the New York Mets, 
congratulations. You guys are just immune to success. Your frauds, everyone saw it. There's a reason that Atlanta was better all season. That's why I said they were. Deal with it. Have, enjoy. I hope everyone enjoyed the subway ride home. And by the way, last thing I'll say to the Mets, you couldn't even sell out that game. You didn't even sell out game three. What a load of crap. You couldn't even sell it out. Unbelievable. Deserve to lose that game 10 times over. Yep. Uh, so luckily the Padres now get to play, live another day and get to play the other Dodgers. That's all, you get That's all that matters. Again, um, win or lose, I think you look at this season as a success. Oh, yeah. whether, they, whether they lose to the Dodgers here, you look at it. I mean, they beat a 100-win team. They went into their stadium. Uh, it took three games, but they beat them. They went up against Jacob deGrom, who played extremely well, but they beat That's Max right. Scherzer. Lit up Max Scherzer. They embarrassed Max Scherzer. I mean, look, I, I agree with you. If they do lose the Dodgers, obviously it would be very disappointing. I want them to win. I think they have a decent shot. They played them better down the stretch. Again, like I said, they're playing great baseball, and anything can happen in the postseason. But if anything, you got to be really happy with where the seeing ended this season. They beat a 100-win team. No one gave them a shot in New York. No one, no one that I saw picked them. No one did. And they no. proved everyone wrong. But, again – I think they have a good shot, not a great shot, but a decent shot against the Dodgers. Um, we'll see how it goes, but very, very happy as a San Diego fan. That team showed a lot. And if there was ever a question, I know the Padres don't like they put C patches on anyone, but Manny Machado should have probably a captain's patch on his left chest. And the fact that anyone thought that Eric Hosmer was some sort of leader on this team, give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah, totally. So. Give me a break. I mean – uh, another thing to talk about, which we can get into, is Ben Verlander today picked every single matchup wrong. And I guess he did it last year, too. So he's currently 0-8 in first-round picks, which I don't even get how you do that. Yeah, so again, uh, Ben Verlander, thank God your older brother's Justin and a Hall of Famer because you should be unemployed from what you do. Your USA Today article in Japan where you basically claim that everyone loved you and praised you and then you can't even predict simple games right, it's a joke because you're a joke. So that's what happens. So, but yeah, I mean, that was atrocious, laughable. Again, I think I sent you a tweet like Ben Verlander should be unemployed. How do you get every single one wrong? I don't understand. Yeah, that's my thing. How do you get every single series? And he's done it two years in a row. Like, it's almost like he's trying to get them wrong. You would think so. But, like, again, I like even walking through it mentally, I don't know how he saw that happening. Why he thought all those games were good. In the Cleveland series, they were two very similar teams. Cleveland had better pitching, better starting pitching, certainly. And I thought a better offense. They had a higher run scored per game than Tampa Bay. I could have been hitting six hole for the Tampa Bay lineup. And going through the other games. Padres matched up well against the Mets. St. Louis number one starter was Jose Quintana. You have to be kidding me. Mike Michaelis was the guy you were sending out there with the gate. Your season on the line. Could as I again, I picked the Phillies in that one. Then going down to the other American League bracket, what was that? That was uh, Seattle. Seattle. That one to me was a toss up. I can give an excuse on being wrong, but it's classic that he got it wrong. So. I think all I think all the divisional series look very intriguing to me. Um, I'm definitely happy with the way that they worked out. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be good. Um, did you see that the NFL is thinking about moving games because of the MLB playoffs? I have seen that. I have seen that. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But right now, it looks like it's lining up. We'll see how the Padres play the Dodgers again. If there's a monkey on their back, 
it's this. If there's a month, if there's ever a time to exercise it, it's yeah. during October. It's the time that the Dodgers historically over the last 10 years have bugabooed things. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I still, I will still stand pat on my Dodgers versus Astros World Series prediction, which I just feel great about right now. But um, I don't know. We'll see. And also, still, again, watch out for the sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Cleveland Guardians. So sneaky. Let's talk about one more MLB team, which is the Braves. Somebody needs to give, like, an ultimate award oh to my the Braves God. front office. I mean, how do they Here, keep – They signed – well, Spencer Strider was another six-year, like, $80 million. Something like that. It was, like – I think it was eight years, $100 million. Look, Spencer Strider, NL Rookie of the Year this year. He's probably going to win a Cy Young in the next couple. You now have him, Max Freed, at the top of your rotation. They'll get Soroka back. I mean, the Atlanta Braves are set up to dominate baseball like they did back in the 90s, where they just won, I think, like 12, like going into the 2000s, like 12 or 13 NLEs title straight. This team, their GM, extend them his whole life. How they have figured this out with Albies, with Michael uh, Harris, Strider, Acuna. Acuna. <laughs> they have done amazing work i don't know if they're giving him stake in ownership or what the deal is but unbelievable job un unbelievable job the atlanta braves first off i think will kill the phillies um and i think they have a really good shot in the nlcs but the braves are set up so well long term it's crazy it's, it's crazy. crazy i mean their roster management is just insane the fact the i is, mean yeah look at it comparable to the padres i mean the padres paid tatis 14 years, 340. The Braves aren't even getting close to these numbers. No, exactly. And like, that's, that's the thing too. So like, if you are, you know, Atlanta, here's the thing you have now, not only do you have this massive, like core of great players, you have saved so much money. You can drop a bag on two huge free agents. If you want to, if I'm the Mets, I'm really worried that DeGrom could just jump ship to Atlanta. No one's talked about yeah. that, I feel like. They can drop everything on him. I know Steve Cohen's got a bag himself, too, and he's ready to spend cash. But honestly, DeGrom can be kind of ready to get out of New York, and maybe Atlanta's the spot it happens at. I mean, if, if he goes to Atlanta, then you're they have the best starting pitching in the league, and it's they not have the even team particularly. In, I think they have the best team in baseball in the, league, in the league at that point. Yeah, if they have DeGrom. If you had DeGrom. If you are talking about a one through four that you would conceivably, I know he's coming off injury, would be Mike Soroka as your number four. You would have DeGrom, Max Freed, and Spencer Strider. Strider hasn't pitched in the playoffs yet, but I don't know what team beats that in the playoffs. Please someone tell me that. It's combined with an offense that just constantly hits. Like, I know Freddie Freeman's an MVP caliber player at first base, but let's not pretend that Matt Olson didn't just have an amazing year for them and he's getting paid less. So it's like... It's crazy what they're doing over there. No, it's crazy. Their their roster management is insane. Like if they somehow like sign Dansby Swanson on the cheap, I'll be like, "What are you guys doing to these dudes? Are you drug inducing them before they sign the contract?" I just think they're really good about once a player is breaking out, they just get it they done. Just, they just get it done. I, I think there is truth to that they they did it with Albies and Acuna right away. They saw the writing on the wall. They didn't let them see more of what they'd be worth. They just got it done. I mean, again, to those guys, to any like anyone, it could be me. If you handed me 
a contract for $90 million when I'm 21, I would be like, yeah, okay, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to think about my future value of what I could be. I'm not going to think about the hundred millions of dollars. I'm thinking about the $90 million in front of me right there. And they've well, capitalized on that. The other thing is they can probably make the argument to these players of, hey, you can still get paid again. Yeah, hey, like which- we paid you all this guaranteed money until you're 28. I mean, look at Aaron Judge. At 31, he's about to get a 10-year deal just and blow it out of the water. It'll actually be a really interesting MLB offseason. I mean, because you have a potential of like multiple MVP. Like you'll have DeGrom going. You could possibly have Judge leaving somewhere. It'll be wild. So one thing I want to bring up before we go, and this is a this is a football thing, but it has to relate to these contracts, is one thing that was brought up with Matt Rule being fired is coaches' contracts are guaranteed, but NFL players' contracts yeah. are guaranteed. And MLB Pretty contracts wild. are guaranteed. I mean – at some point, the players are going to fight back on this idea that they're not getting guarantees, right? Like, in the MLB, you see these players getting paid these huge, long deals at such young ages. And in the NFL, it's like you get there, you're 24, you play through your rookie contract, and then they throw you out into the trash. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the NFLPA has to negotiate it better. I don't know. There should be more guaranteed contracts. But, yeah, I mean, again, we, we joke about it, but – like Kyler maybe should have just stuck to baseball. Just you get all the guaranteed money. You don't have long-term possible head trauma. I mean, I don't know. I Well, but I, I think Kyler should well on himself because he's way overpaid. Oh, Kyler's well, way overpaid. But, I mean, the contracts you see in baseball are crazy now. Though. They're insane. They're, they're insane. I mean, like, what is it? You get a guy's getting like 13 years. Like, what was Mike Trout's was like 15, like 13 years, like $500 million, like almost all of it guaranteed. I'm like – that's the thing. It's the difference in guaranteed money. I mean, the NFL just has – they can cut you whenever they want, basically. No, and they just be done with you. But baseball, I mean, and, like – Or they can trade you. I mean, look, the the Panthers are about to go into a fire sale and, like, trade everyone mid-season. Panthers are a joke. They're so bad. Baker Mayfield's so not – Baker Mayfield's the same thing as Sam Darnold. I actually think Baker might be playing worse than Sam did last year. I think he might be. Baker, I don't think he's going to have a job next year. I think he might be out of the league next year. He'll be a backup maybe, but certainly not a starter. He looks terrible. I don't know if he'll be a backup because he's such a distraction. He's one of those players that like random people like for some reason because he's in commercials that they'll always be calling for him to come in as soon as your quarterback struggles. Yeah. It would suck, but man, wouldn't would that be suck. wild? You have a great career as a college football commentator like RG3. Except RG3 actually had like a really good season. Baker never had one. I don't know. I don't know. The the league's in disarray right now. Um, but with I, I just wonder at some point if the NFL is gonna start to see these ideas of what like is happening with the Braves and maybe just other teams, I'm saying this in general, of like why don't more teams besides for quarterbacks sign players early that they feel like they're really developing? Oh, I agree. Like they always just let them go into their like a player that's kind of fringe. They never sign them to cheap just as a cheap extension. They always let them get to free agency and then have to give them a bag. Is, is there a pot? Can you negotiate with a guy until a certain year in the NFL, or do you have to wait like two seasons before you can start contract extensions? Uh, you have to wait two seasons because all these quarterbacks. That's why Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are about. To yeah, start. I know. I'm just like, why is that like a rule? Why don't they just do away with the rule? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you can't. That's just a dumb start. rule. I think it's a dumb rule too. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't why? you want if you could extend a guy, why wouldn't you just do it as soon as you possibly want? Like, what does it matter? What does it matter when you can start? And I guess the idea is then players 
they're not getting taken advantage of. But I think there's a lot of players in the league that would probably prefer to get all this guaranteed money up right front. Away. Yeah. No because, doubt. Because, I mean, you have one bad season and you went from a pro bowler to like nothing. I would Again, agree. Look at Baker. Baker last year, they were talking about, should we make him a $35 million quarterback? Thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. I don't know. Thank God they didn't because they went and got Deshaun Watson. So I don't know. Yeah, well, that's not any better, but Baker is just terrible. So he gives you no chance to win. Let's talk about one contract before we go and then we'll sign off, which is Russell Wilson. (laughs) I don't know if we talked about Russ yet. Um, Is that going to go down as the worst contract in sports? I don't know if we'll go down the worst. He can still turn around, but everything he's done, he's like regressed in. And he's like, not as if. He's some sort of young guy. They have him until he's 40-something-odd years old. I mean, this looks really bad right now. The worst is even talking about these kicks where usually they can get out is they had two years left on his current deal. They are locked in for five more seasons before they can really get out of it because he's locked in for seven seasons. Yeah, I have no idea what Denver does. They're, they're not a good offense. Their head coach sucks. Their defense is solid, but the head coach sucks, so it doesn't matter. And actually, let me know if the defense is that great. I feel like they play well, but I feel like when they play decent teams, they kind of get played. Well, I think I think think it's good, but I think it's really overvalued by how good Patrick Sertain is playing right now. Yeah. And Justin Simmons. I think that secondary has like really top end guys. So it kind of limits your top end guys. Mm -hmm. So you're forced to kind of have your other dudes win it for you. But then the mm-hmm. offense just puts their defense in such a bad position all the time. So No, they're kind of a disaster class. Yeah, I, Russell Wilson right now looks like one of the worst – certainly one of the worst contract signings of a long, long time. I mean, it's got to be and up it's, there. It's definitely not going to help NFL players be like, yeah, we should get paid early because he had two years left on his deal. And- I know. Uh, the, the Broncos are just a dead man walking. Absolutely. What, are they two and three somehow? Even that's preposter- that's just preposterous. They haven't just even stupid. stupid. Their one loss games that they've had should have been like three touchdown losses if they were playing competent teams. And somehow they're playing the Chargers this week, and the Chargers are probably going to only win by one score. Will be kind of classic. It will Chargers, be classic. Chargers occasionally still want to even charge it. They wanted to charge her last week. They didn't. They wanted to charge her a lot of times this year. They um, wanted to charge her two weeks in a row. Charge her against the Texans. They wanted to charge her against the Raiders. They wanted to charge her against the Browns. But I will say that's why this season feels a little bit different because at some point they're going to get out of this funk and then I think they'll be dangerous. That's the same thing I've told myself about the Bengals. I mean, I think they'll get out of the funk on offense. There's too much talent there. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe it could be different. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, actually, you know. did I, I think I said the Bengals are the only team to ever lose their first three games of the season off game-winning field goals, that sucks. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, like, okay, yeah, the one against the Steelers, that sucks because we missed, like, so many opportunities to win. But now Dallas is really good, so I'm like, that stinks, but Dallas is really good. And then Baltimore, it's on the road against a divisional opponent. I'm like, all right, they'll get it figured out. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I don't think it's time for overreaction Monday. No. But And, again, a lot of these teams are sitting at 3-2 and two right now. Like, like three, three and two, two and three and two and three. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's where a lot of the league is right now. And at some point we're going to start to see teams break away because they're, they're definitely going to separate. Cause I feel like there's definitely a tier between these three and two, two and three teams of the talent levels of yeah. like where a, a lot of them are just beating up on each other. And at some point 
these second tier teams that aren't the chiefs and the bills are going to break away. No, I agree. I think you'll see, like, I think we talked about it last week. I think obviously you have the chiefs and the bills in tier one. I think more teams like the chargers, like Cincinnati, Baltimore, you'll have those teams ascend to the tier tier, tier two and you'll see, and that's what will just way it kind of evens itself out. Yeah. So, All right. Do you have we'll anything see. left that you want to say before we go? Nope. But let's go Padres, baby. Let's take care of the Dodgers and go Bengals on Sunday. Let's take care of the saints. All right, make sure to subscribe to the video. Make sure to leave it a like if you've stayed on this whole time. Thanks for coming and watching us. Uh, thanks for commenting. Thanks for interacting. Uh, make sure to follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to continue to, to reach out to us. Oh, Clark and I have a huge milestone, which I meant to say. at the Oh, beginning. yeah. I totally forgot. We hit 3,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, absolutely huge. We are in month number four, already at 3,000. So by the project at the end of our year one, Maybe we'll hit 10K. That would be crazy. I don't think we'll get there. That would be crazy. I'm glad you guys are liking the content. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I don't know if we've hit 300,000 likes yet, but we were really close. I kind of thought we hit 299.8. Right there. Uh, So thanks for interacting with us. Thanks for being a part of it. Make sure to continue to reach out. Join the chalkboard if you're not in the chalkboard. And of course, last but certainly not least, just always interact with us. We have a lot of fun. Uh, any takes you guys have that you want to know, we're always happy to, to talk about them. Always have happy. a great rest of your day, everyone. Appreciate it, guys.